Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 110 for Wednesday. Yes, we're sorry it's late this week, April 12, 2017. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians at GigGabPodcast.com. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, the guy who made us late this week, it's Paul, <laughs> it's Paul Kent. It happens, man. It's all good. We appreciate what? your patience, folks. Well, yeah, we do appreciate your patience. And, you, you know, it's funny because for the first time since we've started doing Gig Gab, I have uh, my day job life has gotten you know, really unpredictable and, and jammed and packed. And this not only is it having an impact on Gig Gab, but, you know, it makes me reflect on what a luxury it was to to psych up for gigs and, you know, have music be the bigger part of my life for the past couple of years um, or at least. Or at least be, you know, the place exactly that I wanted it to be, the amount right. of time that I want. Now, everything seems to be squeezing in. And I find myself, you know, running in the house, grabbing my guitar and heading to a gig, which <laughs> most people who listen to this probably do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had a nice little cushion there for a little while. I did. Yeah. I did. That's right. And it's, it's a funny thing because uh, I, for the first time in my life, really, there are these reflections about music being such a respite from kind of the... Mm. demanding day job. And sometimes it's like, Oh my God, you know, I don't have my act together. I got to go do music tonight and I'm not, you know, I'm not ready. Yeah. That's, see, that's where that three o'clock in the afternoon cancellation seems like a good thing. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I had that yesterday for rehearsal. So, so yeah, you know, I, I'm having kind of like these different, you know, where music plays in my life. It's still, you know, one of the most, you know, was my family and then there's music and these right. are the, the things that are your respite from the rest of the crazy world. But, um, you know, I had it pretty good there for quite a while. <laughs> Certainly all of all of 2016 was like, you know, did some con- consulting contract work. But I was, you know, pretty much clear uh, from three in the afternoon on, you know, preparing for gigs, preparing for rehearsals, having a guitar in my hand often during the day, during the week. Yeah. And it just ain't happening now. And it's it's frustrating and it's um you know, I just have like these all, this is the way everybody lives. And so I, I just had it really good for a while. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, well, you recognize that. I mean, that's, that's the key, right? You well, know, I you do. T- and you took advantage of it. That was good. Yeah, man. So, and I know I'm, I'm making your schedule crazy because it's the second or third time we had to, you know, either move gig gap back or, or forward. Or so forward. Yeah, I yeah. will keep working on, you know, making sure this has a priority in my life because <laughs> I do love doing it so much. Same. Yeah. Yep. Same. Hey, I had my uh, my first rehearsal with uh, Uptown Celebration uh, right. Actually, I guess right after we recorded last time. I don't even remember when we recorded last time. A week ago, Monday, I had my first rehearsal with them. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was interesting that we had this list of songs like we talked about. It, it was all fine. I get to the rehearsal. Now it's in the same room uh, where I did the audition on this, you know, I would say sort of. Low to mid grade Simmons electronic drum set. Right. So and I knew that was it coming in. I knew I wanted to get there maybe 15, 20 minutes early 
to adjust the set because when I auditioned the other, the, the previous drummer was a little bit shorter than me. So I, I auditioned basically playing the snare drum at my ankles, you know? And so I just knew I wanted a little bit of time to, to do that. So I get there and the guy who lives there was, was down in the rehearsal room. And I think one of the other guys was there and I get there and I walk around to the drums and he had been, he was very specific uh, about, he's like, look, bring uh, headphones and I'll explain why. You know, and so I brought my ears, which is fine. Bring a mic stand and a mic if you have a setup that you like and um, and bring uh, I think that was it. I'm like, OK, great. So I get there. There's no stool and there's no kick drum pedal. Now, those things were there at the audition. And in fact, when I showed up for the audition, he said, you don't have to bring anything. I don't I don't show up anywhere without bringing, you know, a kick pedal and a stool. And I even had a snare drum in the car, but I didn't bring it in because I, you know, he said, don't bring it. So it's it's there in the car. But for the, you know, once I was played the set, I figured no problem. So I left all that stuff at home and uh, and it's not there. And I'm like, hey, Gary, (laughs) Uh, what's what's the word? He's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, yeah. And, and he's about, you know, 25 minutes from my house. So I'm there. It's 20 of whatever time we were going to start. And I said, well, I'll run home and get it. He's like, does it make that big of a deal? <laughs> I said, well, we could have solved the stool issue. It wouldn't have been perfect. But, you know, a chair of sorts at the right, close enough to the right height would have been workable. It wouldn't have been optimal, but it would have been workable. And I said, well, yeah, without a kick pedal, man, you know, it's just not going to happen. He's like, you, you really think it'll make that big of a difference? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I guess that's like asking me to play without my bottom three strings. I'm like, maybe, yeah, or worse, you know, maybe without the body of your guitar, you know. <laughs> and and uh, so he said, well, you know, Guitar Center is closer than your house. So just stop at Guitar Center, buy whatever you need. I need this stuff here anyway. And, uh, and you know, I'll pay you back. And it was, and so that's what I did. And it worked. Actually, I wound up getting a great deal on these things. I bought a kick pedal that's totally serviceable and a stool, again, totally serviceable for a total of 80 bucks, which drummers out there probably scratching their head like I am. Um, Each one of those things should have been 80 bucks. But, uh, but anyway, it all worked out and it was a nice kind of litmus test of how we're going to work together. Because it was obvious to me that we just needed to make a very quick decision. We couldn't spend 10, you know, if we spent 10, 15 minutes hemming and hawing about the right thing to do, that was 10, 15 minutes later that we were going to have to start rehearsal. And so Gary and I were just on the same page. I didn't think about Guitar Center. That was his idea. But it was it was a really kind of nice thing. It was like, all right, well, this is a non-optimal situation, but we're going to run into this at a gig somewhere where there's some logistical issue. And it was nice to know that he was like kind of, you know, on the same page as me, like, yep, we're just going to solve it right now, whatever it takes. And and we just move forward. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was good. And, you know, I was back there and in plenty of time and we rehearsed Um, the rehearsal went well. It was it was good. Uh, You know, it sucks playing on that electronic kit. There's no feel to it at all. What is it? Why is the requirement to use it? Because that's what's at his house. Um, so but, I'm going to go ahead. Is, is it a, is it a volume thing? Mike, that's my guess. So, th- well, it's, it's also the way they rehearse. So they rehearse in this thing called jam hub. Have you heard of it? Nope. 
no oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It, it's uh, everything plugs into this thing and everybody's on headphones. Yeah. So the only the only acoustic sound in the room is uh, basically people singing and everybody's on headphones. Yeah. yeah. So which I'm totally comfortable with headphones because I wear ears when I play. So that part of it was fine. And the Jam Hub thing, I got to be honest, it worked really, really well. Um, cool. it, yeah. In terms of like being able to get a mix and and all of that. Uh, it, but the, the a a set of electronics that has no feel to it it makes it really hard i you know i really kind of beat the crap out of my hands i like my hands were hurting when i when i came out of there and it's just a different thing um after having played those yamaha you know i talked last year uh, uh, late last year i checked out those two different yamaha dtx kits those are a dream to play because they feel like drums. They, they, you know, they made them with that, that DTX mesh that, that has little air bubbles in it because they decided a, a drum is a big air bubble. So they made little air bubbles. It makes all the difference in the world. It feels like you're playing a drum. Whereas this thing feels like you're hitting a piece of plastic and because that's what it is. And, you know, again, totally serviceable. We can get through the tunes, work out arrangements, but in terms of like, you know, locking in together, it's tough. So I, I'm going to, and I, and, and we talked about this at the audition even, but, but I said, look, before we play the first gig, I, I want to do at least one rehearsal, you know, here or, or somewhere where I can play on a kit and we can, you know, get that feel together before we're on stage. And uh, so, but it worked out. Um, I finally got to meet Kelly. Who's the, the female singer in the band. She is fantastic. Great. Just like rocker chick. I mean, just awesome. That's uh, cool. And yep. what about just the, like the band vibe? Is, is this a very professional thing? Is this a very bro thing? Is it or bro it, and rocker chick thing? Or yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's frankly, it's both. It's a professional bro and rocker chick thing. I mean, these people like to have fun. They like to rock out. Um, and, and, but there's the professional element of it too, you know, where it's like, okay, you know, we'll tighten up this ending and get this right. And, and, you know, here's how we'll do this and, and this, that, and the other thing. But, uh, and that was, a, that was a true pleasure, you know, working out these tunes and everybody just comes in and knows their parts and yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but I mean, once the tune starts, it's a party and, uh, and that's good. You know, I mean, it'll, you know, ask me again in a year, right? Because then I'll have played, you know, what, eight, 10, 12 gigs with them and, and we'll have a feel for. Yeah. But exactly. I mean, I think it'd be, it would be weird if this first impression of yours, you know, more, I would have thought you'd be like, well, it was a first rehearsal where, you know, we're all kind of, I can't quite make out where this guy's coming from. And, right. you know, there's some good talent in there, but it sounds like you're actually, you're, you're already more comfortable than most people are after a first rehearsal. Yeah, I would say so, actually. Yeah, it it's it felt surprisingly comfortable. Yeah. What'd you play? What's that? What did you play? Uh, the drums? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all kinds of stuff. I um, they have did me you finally s- get Born to Run in. No, we didn't play Born to Run. Uh, so I still have that uh, in my back pocket from from when I learned it with you. But uh, it was. Uh, I'm trying to think if I can bring up the stuff here. But it's it was you know just the, your standard. Um, I don't know. We played uh, ACDC shook me all night long. We played Earth, Wind and Fire September. We played Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer, which I'm singing, which I've never sang before. It's it's which is sort of an interesting thing. They have me singing songs that I've never sang, including Maroon 5 Sugar. Uh, Do you have a choice in this? Should they say you take these? Well, they 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 asked me if I would take them. Um, I mean, you know, I could have said no. 
And then I tried them. It was like, okay, sugar is actually perfect for me because I've got a, a, a relatively high range uh, in general. And then my falsetto can go way high. So, so that actually worked out well. Really kind of surprised me. Uh, living on a prayer is much tougher for me. And so we, we, but it was a good opportunity. We kind of worked out some stuff where Kelly jumps in on the harmony and we, you know, we kind of layered a harmony together to, to mask the parts that I'll have to sing either falsetto or, or let her take over, you know, those last lines of each chorus. But, um, but yeah, it's just party music, you know, all, cool. all over the map. When's the first gig? June 3rd, I believe. And you rehearse gig. once a week through, up to then? No, my guess is we're going to rehearse. If I had to, if I had to guess, which I will, uh, I would say we'll rehearse probably four more times total between now and then. Got it. Yeah, and may, maybe even less than that. <clears throat> and how many gigs on the books do you have with him? Uh, I think there's eight between now and like September, October, kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, I'm looking post. forward to it. Should be fun. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So I've got a couple of things to share. So one is I have an acoustic gig to share. So there's a, a nice restaurant in our town that opened up an outdoor patio that started having music last year and they wanted to have music this year. And they called and gave me four gigs. And um, so they're on the, on the uh, schedule. I get a call from someone, a friend who wants to throw a birthday party. Hey, are you playing anywhere on May 19th? And I said, as just so happens, I'm playing in our town. Got an acoustic gig there. Oh, great. Let's do it. So they call, the restaurant and the guy goes, "Oh no, Paul's playing May 18th." Oh, and so so they call me back. My friend calls me back and says, "He says May 18th." I I send the guy the email saying, "Here's the email where you confirm May 19th." <laughs> yeah, and this leads to well, the deal is this: you know, we're doing fine on Fridays. We don't need the music on Fridays. We want to move it to Thursdays. Um, will you, you know, move? Let's move. Let's move you to May 18th. And, you know, please call those people and tell them to bring the party on May 18th. And I was like, wait a second. A, that's not the way it works. You know, you committed to me for Fridays and I didn't take other stuff. I turned it down because I was booked with you. So you can't just cancel and, you know, ask me to move. So, you know, and secondly, I'm not going to call someone and tell them to move their party because it's convenient for you. Yeah. And so, so he was like, well, let's calm down. You know, you know, here's a bunch of Thursdays. And I was like, I told you my Thursday's already done for the summer. So that's not going to happen. And then I actually ended the email. I said, you know, listen, this conversation is not cool. Let's just call it a day and cancel everything. Yeah. So you fired the club. I mean, I I realize it, it may have been leading the other direction anyway, but but I could add the Thursday gigs if I wanted them. So I fired the club. Yeah. And, and the, the, what I walk, the light that went on is like, once it starts going downhill with the way, like, remember when would they have let me know this about the Friday? If my friends hadn't called about the Friday, right. You may have gotten a call on Thursday saying, how come you're not here? Well, yeah. maybe that, or I would have showed up on the Friday and they would have said, Hey, we can't use you tonight. Or, yeah, why you know, weren't anyway. you here yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. And oh. again, you know, it's funny because 110 episodes, we've been doing this and I was well on my way to this place. And I'm the guy who kind of rails about musicians charging what they're worth and all this type of stuff. And, and I think I've said this to you personally, and I think I've said it on the show. I can't do a show for musicians and talk, talk to people about, you know, being part of the musical fraternity, fraternal order of musicians and, and not, and not walk the walk as well. And so, yeah. you know, it dawns on me that once the indication that someone's not going to treat the music industry, the musician, me, well, don't assume it's going to get better. Like, you know, I, I, I think like once there's that hint that there's not a respect for the for having music there. Yeah. 
you know, that that's where this person is coming from. And even if they're a nice person or if they're not a nice person, you know, understand that that mentality. And I don't think it's my job to kind of educate him on the mentality. I probably should have said, listen, you had four gigs. I expect to be paid for them. Oh. That would have been. Yeah. That, you know, that yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. is one way to do it. It is. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 And, you know, probably the reasonable way. Anyway. So I but what I did do is I said, listen, no, we're not going to make this, you know, convenient for you. And, you know, you can't just end four gigs and and just say, do, do these instead. And please call your friends and bring them to my slower night for, you know, that. So, well, so all that's, that, yeah, that's a different like that. There's the the club owner or manager or booking agent, you know, whatever role this person plays uh, that's not playing nice and not being friendly. Right. I mean, there's there's that. And then, you know, sort of in parallel to that is this other thing about are you entertaining a crowd that exists at the club? And is that what you were hired to do, which is what it sounded like you thought you were hired to do? Or is it, you know, we're in we want you to come and bring your crowd with you. And clearly that's what this became if it wasn't that to begin with in in this other person's mind. Yeah, and so that's a totally story, different thing. Yeah, yeah. The end of the story is actually pretty cool because uh, the people throwing the party rented out a restaurant somewhere else and asked me to come play. So, <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, so it all worked out. Although, as I'm telling you this story, man, it, it I wonder because over the course of time we've done this show, I've had a story like this about Charlie's. I've had I think two stories mm. about acoustic gigs going south, and I wonder: do you think is it? Do you think I'm more than most people, or do you think that that's kind of it? Um, you're a sensitive cat. Uh, and no, 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 I don't mean sensitive. I no. mean, like having lost two acoustic gigs over the course of two years. You well, think that's but, no, I think that's, I think that's normal, but I, but to, to be fair, certainly this one, you didn't have to lose it. Right. I mean, you, if, if playing was your priority as opposed to playing for the right gig being your priority, yeah. you would still have these gigs. I mean, if you weren't already booked on those those Thursdays or whatever, right? L- let me rephrase the question. Do you think I'm finding more messy relationships in terms of bookings than most people? Well, and that's what I that's what I was going to say. You're you're a, a, you're a sensitive cat, but you're also someone who holds your values very very closely and in high regard, right? And when somebody steps on that, it you walk away. Now, do you walk away faster than another musician would? Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't mean faster than all other musicians, but, yeah. I, you know, several come to mind that would say, oh, yeah, take the Thursday gig. You know, don't don't rock the boat, man. You want the gig. You want the gig. And, you know, I, that's not me either. I I don't want the gig that bad. Usually yeah. there's some gigs I want bad. Not, you know, I've taken it you know, in places I shouldn't be just be in order to say, yes, I have that gig. And then it always turns out to be awful. <laughs> so I'll tell so, you this. I have, so I, I'm with you on this. Yeah. I have ultimate respect that if a guy is putting food on his table by playing music and this is the cards that he's dealt. Sure. And he would make that decision to take the Thursday instead of the Friday and say, thank you because he wants to keep that relationship. I have total respect that that totally you know, different thing. Yep. You got to do what you got to do to put food on your table. Well, we all do that family, in different, right? in, in some aspect of our lives. Right. <laughs> For sure. Yep. But yeah, you know, I'm like, I, I, uh, I, I wrestle with the ethics of it all. Right. 
on a on a fairly constant basis. And you know, I, L- listeners I know that say, doing yeah, this yeah. show. Well, doing this show has been like again, it wouldn't be a very truthful thing if I was saying you know you got to charge for your music and you know remember not charging for your music is a slap to other people in your musical profession, yeah. you know, that are, that have to charge for their music. So, you know, you can't say stuff like that and then turn around and, and, uh, um, you're holding the uh, torch, man. I like I, it. Well, I Can think, it, you know, with awesome power comes awesome responsibility. You don't do 110 gig gabs and walk <laughs> away from the table. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. That's right. No, you got to own it. And you, and of course you do. I mean, it, it does this, this doesn't surprise me at all, and I don't think it surprises a single listener that's heard, you know, more than two of our episodes ever. Huh. Right. I mean, it, it's a, and I don't say that, you know, poking fun at you. I say it actually in, with respect. It's it's who you are. And, and it, in a general sense, it's who I am, too. I mean, I think our lines I'm, I'm sure our lines are in different places because we're different people. But uh, but in, in general, I'm with you. If somebody starts messing around, it's like, yeah, man, no, no, no. I do this because I enjoy it. And if you're going to make it so that that doesn't happen, then I don't want to do this with you. And that's okay. Well, that's that's it's okay. And and maybe the universal message here is once you get that indication that there's not respect for music being hosted in a venue, be prepared to understand that that will be the nature of your relationship with that venue. That, that's they may true. like you. Yep. They could dislike you on a moment's ba- unnoticed, but once a venue has a philosophy that music is replaceable, retractable, disposable, understand and be very clear in your mind that um, that 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 philosophy will guide uh, the tenure of music in that in that yeah. venue. Well, I mean, you're yeah, you're setting up with a you know at, at a level an abusive relationship, right? Or yeah. at least a disrespectful relationship. Exactly. And, and so you know, but again, it there there are aspects where all of us, you included, I'm sure, have headed down a path where you know it's not going to be an optimal relationship in terms of the respect level, just in order to get that check and put food on your table. And now the flip side of no, this is okay. is the is the deploying karma in your life. So and I've been thinking about this because you know I turn down fifty dollar gigs now, right? Yeah. Um, I know people who don't, and that's totally fine. But my point about karma and about how people treat you and how you, and part of which is getting paid is uh, I do believe there is a universal law of life that you get what you expect to get. You te- you teach people how to treat you. Yes. If you say I'm going to take only a hundred dollars as a minimum gig. It may take a while and it may not look exactly like, or $200 or $300 a gig. Whatever it it is. may take a while, but I think by establishing those types of goals for yourself, uh, the universe will giveth to you more of those opportunities and that will slowly become your norm. If your norm is $50 gigs and you're like, you know, I'm happy to just get that. Then that's probably what you're going to get. Yep. And, you know, like I said, this is, I believe this is, this is true of many endeavors in life, but I have certainly found as I look at my calendar and, you know, part of this is getting confident that your product is, is worthy of, of whatever you want to charge. Right. So you got to deliver the goods and yeah. you got to feel good about it. And I, I do believe that the flip side is right, is that, you know, it, walking away from something can be a very empowering uh, um, it can. It can be very terrifying, too, especially yeah. in the moment. Uh, and yep. in the moment thereafter. But but, you know, those those future moments that actually, yeah, you, you find that you 
it, it defines you and it gives you that that confidence to say, you know what? I don't have to do that. I, yeah. can, I can do the things that matter. Um, I, can I can I uh, can I nope. turn the tables a little here and, and and actually just continue on with this spirit of of ranting and truth and all of that that, that normally is the mantle that that you hold. Um, so after my rehearsal Wednesday, uh, Monday, I had a couple of speaking gigs throughout uh, the Northeast, uh, kind of from Boston to Philly and back. And so I arranged, as I like to do, to stop at my uh, old friend's house, my old friend Greg's house in uh, in Connecticut. And we arranged a jam. Now, this is a the, these group of guys. We wind up playing a lot of fusion type stuff. Um, it's a jam I took part in back in actually we, we realized we started this thing 25 years ago. Um, mm. and so it's not always the same people, but, but several of us are the same and, uh, and everybody can play and, and it's, you know, it's so much fun. So, you know, we were playing things like we played freeway jam and, and, uh, and we played some originals and stuff that these guys have sort of cobbled together. But, um, but it's, it's all about just playing and everybody just plays full out. So. I, you know, we set this up and all of that happened and it was fantastic. Uh, but I get there and, and, uh, I was the first one there cause I was, uh, you know, I was coming down from, from Boston. So, was, you know, I made sure to get there early and, and then, uh, my buddy Rob show, well, my, my friend Greg, whose house it was, that was there. And then Rob showed up and, uh, you know, we're just starting to say hello to each other. And he says, um, he says, so, you know, how things going? Are you playing a lot? I said, yeah. I said, you know, it's actually now just in the last, you know, six months kind of gotten to the point. If it wasn't there already, certainly now a lot of people are asking me to play. I said, the word's kind of out, you know, now that I've been in New Hampshire, what a decade, you know, I've, I've made enough connections that, that it's almost too much. Like I'm having to say no to more things than I say yes to. And, and, uh, and he said, uh, you know, and I said, well, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a function of just me being around and people getting to know me. And he stopped me and he says, that's BS, man. He says, it's because you can play. Mm. He's like, you know, and and I stopped and I said, well, yeah, I said, but that's not really all that PC to say. And he said, first of all, there's three of us in the room and everybody in the room knows that everybody else can play. You know, there's no question about that. And I said, yeah, you know, why do we sell ourselves short now? Now, there's a difference between. You know, having too much humility and being too much of a jackass, right? You don't want to just walk into a room and say, I'm the best drummer in the room, right? That's not, that's not cool. But when somebody acknowledges that you are, it's okay to say yes, you know? Um, and, and that it's just how it goes. Cause I worked my butt off as you did, you know, to learn how to play an instrument and to sure. learn how to play with other people and to learn how to do all of that. And, and, you know, part of this is a rant about how overly PC we've gotten just as a society. I think the concept of politically correctness is awesome. You know, not blaming someone for something they can't control about themselves is absolutely something I'm behind 100%. But not acknowledging what someone has accomplished because it might offend somebody else that hasn't been able to accomplish the same thing. Well, you know, maybe that's where we got to draw the line. Yeah. And then false humility is as bad as boastfulness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I found myself in this position where it was like, well, I have to be, you know, like, like you said, falsely humble. And it's like, no, I don't. I can play my ass off. So it's okay if somebody acknowledges that to just agree with them and say, thank Absolutely. you. You know, I mean, you well, and I'll tell you what, this somewhat goes to the point I was going to make before about value and, you know, all of it. So it all connects. If we intrinsically believe 
that what we do is adding value to the world as opposed to posing. Right. 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 You can be a little bit more comfortable saying, yeah, I'm adding value to the world and I love doing it. And and every step of learning how to do it better has been a joy. And yeah, you know, I can play. You know, I I don't think there's anything wrong. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I was trying to explain this to my kids and I and I said, you know, I, I framed it. And my kids agree with me, you know, while they I mean, they're my kids, so it's not all that surprising. But I said, look, <laughs> if if you picked a, a, a thousand people at random and I was one of them, the chances are I'm the best drummer of that thousand people. Now, that's because nine hundred and fifty of those thousand people have never even picked up drumsticks in their life, you, you know. And then of those 50 that are left, maybe 10 of them have taken drum lessons. And the chances are, uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly now in the top 10 of those thousand. I, I might be actually the best, you, you know. And and so that's okay. But it's not a competition. It's, it's, that's the thing the is, it's not say. a competition, right? You it's, you can say with your chest rightfully stuck out, I have invested a large part of my life to be good at this. I love it, and it gives back to me as much as I give to it. You yep. know, these are all very it's, noble ways it's to just, look at it. Yeah, it's just pleasure and joy. That's yep. it. Yep, I'm with you, man. Yep, and uh, so it was a nice way to, for us to all kind of you know greet each other at, at this. How often this does this jam, jam happen? Well, it's been a year and a half since I've been down there, but um, but it should happen more often. I mean, it, well, the jam happens every week and has pretty much nonstop for 25 years. At a house or at a venue? No, at my buddy Greg's house. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm welcome every time. They've actually got a, a, another drummer down there that um, that's been, you know, that's been going there for, I don't know, the last couple, three years that he and I knew of each other, but never met. And uh, and finally met the other night because they invited him to the gym. So, you know, we we traded off. I played some keyboards and, and sang a little bit. We played badge, actually. So, uh, so I played keys and, and sang on badge. So nice. which was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fun tune, man. It is a fun tune. Yeah, I'd never sang it before. That's a fun one to sing. You always sang that when we played in, in the All-Stars. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But it was, you know, it was really nice. And this other guy is such a I mean, he's just a nice guy and uh, and he can play, too. So it, it was just like, yeah, this is great. Fun That's little jam. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. I wanted to share with you. I had uh, I had a club date on Friday night and then we had on Saturday, we had a, a benefit gig. So it's been pouring rain out here and uh, our benefit gig on Saturday, we played to absolutely no one. Mm. I mean, it was it was a, it was the first time that I can remember, like literally no one. It was an outdoor gig. It's been storming like crazy. We called and we were like, are you sure this is going to happen? They're like, it's rain or shine. You know, we've done all this planning. It was a covered stage, big, beautiful stage, great sound system. We show up. There was nobody in this park. And so, but, you know, the, the guy who asked us to do it. And so we were going to honor our commitment. So we got on, we started our first set. And um, I don't know what it was. The band was good on Friday night, but the band was really good on Saturday. And, you know, those things can go, you either lose your focus because there's no one watching you. And, yep. you know, it, you could go that way. But for whatever reason, the band... I think it was because the stage was big and the sound system was awesome. And we haven't, you know, since last summer, we haven't really been in that type of a situation. I guess, right. I guess maybe oh, New Year's Eve. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So everything was sounding good. And, you know, so, so we were cooking along. We're playing Angel of Harlem right now. Yep. So, you know, Angel of Harlem was on um, Rattle and Hum and it's, uh, you know, it's got a horn chart to it and it's, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, rock and bluesy type of vibe. And, and it's a great thing. tune. It is yeah. a great tune. Who's and, and singing that one? I'm singing that one. Wow. Oh, I want to hear that. 
Yeah, most of it is. Well, actually, it's on the House Rockers uh, on the House Rockers Facebook page. So you oh, can all right, find it. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, the funny thing is, I was thinking about this. So, uh, um, Angel Harlem would be exactly the type of song that I would want to play all the time. So, it starts off with a nice jangly guitar. All of a sudden, this this uh, this this horn this uh, organ line until the drums kick in and then the horns kick in with this big, powerful chord. Yeah, it is. It is exactly what I want to feel a band feel like when I'm playing. And I was thinking about this. So my band plays this really, really well. I'm, I'm really enjoying what we're doing with it. And I was thinking about how in our band and, you know, I, I, I think we may even have touched upon this. You know, bands are often a um, an exercise in compromise. Right. You know, People's tastes are slightly different, and certainly the house rockers. You know, we have we have the the we say we're rock and soul. They're yep. the soul proponents, and they're the rock proponents. And at times, there's a tension between those two things. You know, oh, one's better dance music than the other, or whatever. And you know, because there's actually very deep feelings about rock music and soul music in my band, uh, and what's more entertaining, and what's that type of thing. And that uh, is one level of conversation. But it dawns on me that. The bands that are most successful, I believe, are the bands where there's a shared framework for music. Like you're coming from the same place. Yeah. You can put a bunch of good musicians in a band and still be a good band and be a successful band. But I think, you know, and this often gets manifested in tribute bands because you don't join a tribute band if you don't really, really like the stuff. I mean, maybe it'll work and it'll put you know, some money in your pocket. But in general, you're going to have to play all of one guy's type of music. You better pretty much like that music. And I would go farther to say that you probably wouldn't get the gig in a cover band if you weren't paying attention to those subtle nuances and feel that make that music unique. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the first auditions that I didn't get called back for was for a, believe it or not, a U2 tribute band. And, uh, but you know, I knew the music I'd played many of these songs before but but i i was never like a diehard u2 fan and uh and i you know maybe that was the reason i didn't get called back who knows you know they didn't when say, i yeah. when i started the house rockers so 17 years ago one of the you know frameworks in my head one of the idols in my head was this band from from uh, new jersey called Southside johnny and the asbury jigs who yeah. i just actually saw sunday night they don't come to california very often i just saw them and they were they were freaking awesome. And, you know, you are reminded why you love music sometimes when you see people play like that. Yeah. And it was just, it was just freaking awesome. But that was how I started the house rockers. And it, it almost broke the band up because a, they didn't get the music and it was in heartbreaking and frustrating to me that we couldn't reproduce that vibe. I can totally see that being heartbreaking and frustrating to you. Well, I, I love I, the music so much. I feel right? that way about Burke and Fling when it comes to playing dead tunes. You're just not getting where he needs to be. No, it's, I mean, some of the time we do, you know, right. but but there are t- songs where it's like it will get there for the four of us, for four of the five of us. And we're all fine with like, yeah, this <laughs> sounds like Fling. And we're playing this song that we know, you know, and that's great. And for Burke, it's like not even close. So it's like, yeah. all right, let's not play it. I don't want this guy to be upset about it. And it's fine. You know. It's yeah. Like, it's and it's the, it's the difference between the note on the page and the feel in the, in the, in the note. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. And yeah. so, so, and my, my point to all this is that there is a shared, um, when you, when a band has a common musical dictionary, 
when a band is speaking the same language and stuff. And actually, that U2 thing that you said is really weird to me because remember, we played Desire together and you crushed that. It, it, it felt like playing in U2 when you were playing that. <laughs> I didn't play drums on that song. What? <laughs> right? Didn't I get well, up? You sang it. Brian, Brian played drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how weird. All right, strike that. <laughs> but no, but we did. And we've done uh, uh, I Will Follow as well together. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I like that music, but I don't know all the nuances. You know, like, I mean, if you brought me a Rush tune or a Yes tune or I, I mean, there's a lot of bands like that. Beatles, you know, Fastball is another one that I'm just, you know, any band that I just for whatever reason am gaga over and I get into all of the nooks and crannies. I, I know them all with you two. Frankly, I could care less about the nooks and crannies. I mean, mean, it's just me. It doesn't mean that they're invalid. It just means that they didn't resonate with me that way. That's okay. You know, fish, I I could tell you all the nooks. Of course, I could tell you all the nooks and crannies. That's how it works. It's fun to play with good players and a band of great players who who, it's not, you know, there's a spectrum of all this. There's there's guys who are good players. um, And then and then there's there's good players who feel a certain way about certain music. So. My point is common frames of reference serve yeah. a band really, really well in translating covers, in in bringing life out of out of originals uh, on stage, for example. Um, you know, if if I played in a, in a band of guys who knew um, frat rock music and I could call Louie, you know, you could call Louie Louie in most places and people will be able to get it. Right. Yeah. But. You know, but a bunch of guys who just really listen to that stuff, even then the simple stuff is actually even more interesting because you're not going to do this with Steely Dan. You're not going to you're not going to hack Steely Dan. Nope. But in simple rock and roll, if you live it and I got to you know send some love out to Joe, my drummer, because, you know, he plays everything we put in front of him. The stuff that he loves comes to life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the stuff that he loves, it's different. The Beatles stuff, the Stone stuff, the Bruce stuff, the 50s stuff, the 60s stuff. Um, there's a pop to the to the groove. He that still is, lets you get that, away with playing the wrong intro for Drive My Car. I'm just going to, you know, uh, so, you know. <laughs> why you got to be like that, man? Because <laughs> I'm that way about the Beatles. <laughs> so I'm sure it drives Joe just as crazy as it drives me. But, you know, it's all right. It's fine. You, you make sacrifices for your band. It's good. You do what you do. Yeah. So it's all good. You know, play with good players. Play with people you like. But, you know, when you get a chance to do something, even if it's jammed, like you're talking about with your buddies or, you know, yeah. have a have a bunch of people over your house to play. Hey, guys, I'm doing a Bruce night tonight. Come on over. Let's let's play some Springsteen and jam. Yep. You know, and you get people who want to come over and do it. There's a certain magic in living out the, uh, you know, the 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 music of your heroes. There's a certain thing to bringing that stuff to life. That totally. is just so cool. It's heartbreaking when it doesn't go well because it's you know it's so important to you. It is it is part of the DNA you know in your life. You know it is part of how you view the world. And you know when it's when it's not those nuances that you found nobility in. When someone's not paying attention to those, it can be really frustrating. And so you know maybe you just got to you know hey. Yeah. Well, at least I get to play it tonight. It'll be fun. Yeah, I um, I, I guess early on, I was thinking about this the other day. I guess early on, I I sort of learned to let all that go, and and I think mm. it's a a, pro, a byproduct of me being you know a total prog rock fan, right? And that was what defined the first, certainly the first five years of me playing the drums, and and could be argued, you know, every year after that too, but. Uh, but, it, you know, I was so into it and I listened to it and, and it was so important to me. But then 
being in bands that were, you know, playing out uh, kind of in the late 80s and then, of course, early 90s, there wasn't a whole lot of interest in prog rock then. Like, I think you'd have a better chance of doing a prog rock tribute project now than you mm-hmm. than you could have back then. And, and so I, you know, I would play, I would get an opportunity to play, you know, like Xanadu or something with Xanadu, the Rush song, not the, the Olivia Newton-John song, um, although I've played both. You know, I'd get an opportunity to do that. That would be like a one-time thing, and it would be like for a show, talent, a school talent show, or something. But by and large, I sort of had to punt on all that in terms of my live playing, and just learn to play the songs that worked in a band situation with the people that I could pull together. And so it was like, yeah, you know what? It's never going to be like what I hear in my head, even when we're playing a song that I love. It's never going to be that way. So I just, I don't know. I, I prioritized finding a fun way to play it with these musicians over making sure it sounds like the record. Mm. And, and, and so that stuff, it's very rare that we'll be doing something and I'll be like, hang on, this is wrong. You know, it's <laughs> different. It, and of course I know that it's different. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty observant guy. I pick up on all of it, but it's like, yeah, okay, this works. That's fine. Let it go. You know? And, uh, but I, I, I'm certain that's a byproduct of me, you know, having to just sort of let go of all that, all of that that mattered to me in terms of musical style in order to be able to be a drummer that played out with with bands because there were no bands playing the kind of music that 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 I cared about. And then, as I've said before, I've learned like R.E.M. was a band I and The Cure, especially I, like I, I, I would have told you I hate those bands and I will never like them. And uh, and then, you know, a year later, I was a big fan I, of both because I, I would love to play a night of R.E.M. with you. That would be so oh, it'd be a, fun. and I would be so into it. And I and you want to talk about a band that I know all the nooks and crannies. That's one like <laughs> an R.E.M. tribute band. I'd get that gig. <laughs> what was that? What was that first gig that you, the first song that you brought into the Macro Alster band? It was an R.E.M. Rockville. Oh, did I bring Rockville in? Yeah, it was either that or it was the. Um, it was the half of R.E.M. and Warren Zevon version of um, oh, Raspberry Beret. Raspberry Beret. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. The Hindu love gods. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be so fun. Yep. Yep. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a fun. That'd be a fun tribute project. And now would be the right time to do an R.E.M. tribute project, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone out. Someone out there is doing it, I'm sure. So send us your so. videos. Yeah. Send us please. your audio. Let us enjoy it. Yeah. 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 Crazy stuff, man. Well, you you wrote me in. Now I'm just uh, raving about what what needs to happen and and the the the, the truth of it all. So I don't know what happens for episode 111, but you know it's we'll get there. At least there it's together. all all the same number. So there you go. Math wise, it works out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. I think that's all we got today. I think that's enough for today. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. And uh, it, you know. We say it all the time, but but always, always be performing. Hey, and thanks for all the nice notes that have been coming in. We were late this week, and I had no idea that you guys were hanging on our every word. So thanks for all those notes. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Later. GigGabPodcast.com. Gig